uh, Grant Geisbers. How you doing? Good. How are you doing, Ryan? Thanks for having me. Yeah, awesome. One of the things that uh, is, is is you and I have a long history of coaching and coaching together. Um, I know we first met back probably, was it 12, 2012-13-ish? Yeah, I think it was 2012. I just graduated college and I was coming back to the G to play in yep. the Bears. And uh, yeah, that's when I met Ryan Blick. And uh, I don't know if my life has changed for the better or uh, for the worse, but uh, it's been a fun ride. Clearly, the better. Yeah, and yeah, then friendship has really grown since then. So yeah, it's awesome. So uh, it was we played together in twelve and thirteen, and then you got into coaching uh, shortly thereafter, probably around two thousand. I think it was like fourteen ish, right? Um. Well, actually, actually, I started coaching when I was in high school. I helped okay. my uh, my Bantam team there, but yeah, I came came in with like the Junior Bears and Hockey Factory and uh, that twelve thirteen. So the 13 spring season, yeah, is when I started coaching the hockey factory teams and with you and being an instructor at your camps and stuff. Yep. Yeah, and you were one of the first uh, hockey factory instructors, and you were one of the, the really guys when we started the hockey factory in spring and summer camps and things like that. You were one of those people that really kind of helped mold what the hockey factory is right now, and you were at the forefront of all the things we were doing, and uh, I, I remember so many times you and I would sit back and we would, we would just, you know, talk hockey in, in, in my office and, and with the other instructors like Tom Glomsky and stuff like that too. And Randy Willis. Yeah. And then that's where we came up with a lot of our concepts and how we evolved the game and evolved their camps and what we wanted to do with them. And, you know, looking back, it was some amazing times because we pretty much had free reign to do what we wanted. And we yeah. learned a lot from each other as coaches and we learned a lot about ourselves as coaches and then we got to implement it too right and we made a lot of mistakes <laughs> along the way um, how were those early years like honestly tell me how were those early years like for you like learning and things like that it was good you, yeah. you know you, you learned how to talk to kids and mm -hmm. how, how just to adapt to, to younger kids especially in those camps you know you're dealing with a lot of younger kids and you you learn how each kid learns and different ways and how you have to relate to them and you know just being able to balance you know a full day of eight hours of being with kids on and off the ice and you know playing dodgeball with them and trying not to get killed by a 15 year or 14 year old and yeah you know yeah so it was fun and you know i was working third shift at the time too so i'd get down with work and then i'd come right to the rink so it was long days but i enjoyed every minute of it um you know, I still wish I could do it more, but, you know, the real world and work got a little more in the way with it. But, no, I loved every minute of it. Yep, and that's one of the great things, too, that you that you were able to do is you worked a full shift. Then you'd come and help us uh, at, at the rink, and um, we didn't have the kids at the time. And uh, so we were kind of understanding the way kids learned, and we were understanding the way, um, you know, to teach drills and things like that. And, and, and we had a lot of trial and error, right, uh, which – it just totally changed from where we were, you know, you know, eight years ago to where we're at now. And, and we, we talk now and you, you mentioned one of your biggest pet peeves is, is how long coaches spend on the whiteboard, right? Yeah. Like, so even like the whiteboard or just, you know, in the locker room or on the ice, like I think with squirt age kids, mate, especially you only have a minute where you have their full attention. If that, yep. I mean, their attention spans are so short. 
And if you're going to sit there on the ice and draw up a plan or a drill and then, and then talk or talk about it, you have 30 seconds actually probably realistically to get your point mm-hmm. across. Yeah. And anything after that, you're almost just listening or you're just talking to hear yourself talk. Like those kids have spaced out and they're, they're gone. Yeah. And that's something that like we learned. I mean, we, when we early started the, like the elite training program we had, we'd have be on the ice with the kids for two and a half, three hours. So we spent five minutes at the whiteboard. It, it meant nothing. But then as we transitioned as coaches together, I think even back five, six years ago, we were like, I was 100% guilty of spending five minutes, you know, or two or three minutes trying to, to explain a drill prior to even jumping, you know, into our 50 minute practice. And since then we've learned and we've adapted and things like that. But it's just funny to look back on our kind of like our coaching careers when you and I were starting a lot of this stuff and like how much time we wasted, how many things that we did. That now we look back and be like, that's crazy. Like, I, I can't believe we did that, you know? Yeah, but um, I mean, that, that's part of the growing experience and, yep. you know, and just. Yeah, and that's, it's, 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 it's great like that too. And that's the other thing too, is we got to learn from each other out there, right? We got, and we didn't have anyone telling us like that doesn't work. And do you have any like, and that's where it gets me to it. Like you're kind of, you have a young daughter now who's looking to get into the game of hockey and plan to coach her. But, you know, like you've also, you've also been around it long enough. Do you have some advice that you could maybe give to a new parent uh, that's looking to get into hockey that wants to coach and things like that? Yeah. I mean, if you're going to get, if you're new to hockey and you want to get in and help coach, that's awesome. I mean, yep. the game can always use, you know, non-traditional people that give yep. a different perspective to the game. And, mm-hmm. you know, other coaches have touched on it too, is just use the other coaches around you and their knowledge. You yep. know, and now with the internet too, there's webinars and just, just, just jump in, you know, both feet in the pool and just learn as much as you can and soak it up. Cause I mean, even I still do that now, like you're never going to stop learning. So yep. it's, you just have to go out there and do it. As, as a coach now, how, what are some of the avenues you use to like help you better understand the game? Um, me personally, I'm the internet. I mean, the internet's a great resource. Um, yep. Other coaches, you know, you, you, you're in a hotel room, you know, in the lobby and there's other coaches from other teams that are in your organization or maybe not in your organization that you run into. I mean, when you're at the hotel, you know that, I mean, people are yep. all just talking hockey. So yep that always comes up and then sometimes you just sit and listen and you may not say anything, but you take away from that conversation that two other coaches had and you're like, wow, I really like what he had and I like his perspective or I really like that drill he was explaining. And you know, you just, you grow and learn and you're always learning. So you just got to keep, keep doing it. Yeah. And that's, that's also funny because you you bring up just like sitting around talking hockey. I I love picking the brains of, of, of parents and, it's something that you and I have also had the very fortunate thing of doing is coaching um, without our kids being there, right? And you learn a lot from uh, from parents that uh, when you're in those situations and, and they're able to tell you what their thoughts, what their feelings are, you're able to understand kind of like what they're doing. But um, you can learn a lot from the parents when you're just sitting around a hotel talking or sitting around a practice or the rink and things like that. And, um, you know, it's, it's one of the things out there. Like you don't have to be a know the game of hockey to talk it right you know no. your feelings and letting us know how you act is is, is fantastic but we're going to get into some really fun questions for you right now Perfect. um yeah i know it's one of those things you love doing so uh give me your warm-up like how your warm-up starts and things like that so yeah 
So my first thing is going to be when we get on the bench, usually you're waiting for the Zamboni door or the refs to get out there. So that's the time I like to take for the coaches to have a little fun. Um, you know what I'm talking about here. We'll play uh, a, a mini version of Chuck-a-Puck. Yep. Uh, each coach gets two pucks, and we'll play far dot, and then we'll play uh, near dot. And, you know, you're just bragging rights for that game <laughs> to see what coach can land the puck in the dot. And, Honestly, I think it helps the coaches loosen up a little bo- a little before a game, especially if you're yeah. playing a semifinal game or a championship game. It just loosens them up a little bit, takes a little of that stress away. And then also, the parents love it, too. They're always like, what are you guys doing over there? I'm like, oh, you know, just playing chalk puck, you know? But and then, you know, once the Zamboni door's closed and the refs get out there, it's, you know, I like, the, I like the kids to take a couple hard laps, get their legs going. Um, mm-hmm. I'd love it, too, if the goalie could – you can get a stretches in before you know you get on the ice. Yeah. Usually, I only have about three minutes, so then you can get the goalie. You can have a couple of kids shooting on him right away, and then have the guys doing some stationary passing in the circle, and then adapt from that into maybe like a like a circle cycle where they're just they're passing off the boards, getting their feet moving again. Yep. And then um, the last two minutes, go into a two on one, and just have that. D hit hit the forward either on the far side or the close side and just and uh, just keep you know it's just keep moving. Yeah. You were one of those coaches and uh, you brought it up a while back and it kind of got me open because we, we 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 play a game and I know it, we call we call it the you know the puck game and <laughs> it, was, it was a drill we were doing and and like and once again it shows uh that like you know how much like we've changed coaches like when we first started coaching you know the old hook and ladder rainbow warm-up drill, right? And what was the one thing we, as like squirts, what was the one thing we kept losing? Oh, pucks. Uh, pucks, yeah, right? So so we used to do the puck game, and the puck <laughs> game, it, was, it was super fun, but it was also like, you know, as a coach, when you're supposed to bring your own pucks, right? And well, I'll let you elaborate. Tell us about the puck game. Well, the puck game started in Duluth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. it, it was our first tournament with the 07s. And we're, I, I remember it was you, me, and Rax in the car, and we're driving up, and we're like, oh, we didn't bring pucks. And you're like, dude, these tournaments always have pucks. We'll be fine. Yep. So we get out there for a Friday night game, and uh, we go to the scores box. The guy working, and we're like, you guys have pucks for us? And he's like, no. We're like, oh, boy. <laughs> so we run into the locker room, like, kids, who's got pucks? And I think we scrounged up like six pucks, seven pucks, yeah. maybe. And we told those kids, do not lose that puck. And if you lose that puck, you better go down to that other end to get it. And what transpired from that is we ended up with like seven or eight pucks by the end of that pack or that. <laughs> so he came out ahead. Yep. Has always mindset to go get their puck. And they always bring back one extra. So we always, we always come out ahead. And then I remember one time we, we tried doing that with the U18 team in the spring, and that was a bad idea because <laughs> those those guys were savages. Like, <laughs> yeah, that, blatantly taking four pucks at a time. We're like, guys, way too obvious. Yeah, that was the that I, it's it's that's a that's a pet peeve for any coach out there is when you when you start with 15 pucks at warmups and you end at 12, and you're like, guys, what happened? Like, you can't just like when you lose a puck. And also, and that's why I bring this game up because it makes it made us as coaches. Uh, change our warm-ups right yeah instead of making those long passes and seeing kids like miss them and go to the other end we were like okay we can't be doing this anymore let's start with maybe we'll do like 
couple stations and then from the stations got into skating and, and moving your feet and things like that too so i, I love talking warm-ups because you know the the stuff and the crazy things that have happened to us that we, we talk about all the time but you know that was just one of those things that of just losing so many pucks that made us as coaches analyze like what are we doing and uh you know now now we look back on it and like you know the old hook and hook and ladder thing uh warm-up drills like we will never touch that one again but no um but getting into your games and things like that, uh, what are some of the like prereqs you want for your team um, as far as before the game starts? Like, when do you want your kids coming to the rink? What do you want them doing when they get to the rink and things like that? Yeah, this is a great question. And like, I've at times I struggle with this too. You know, a lot of coaches want their kids there an hour before. And at the squirt level, I think. 35 to 45 minutes is, is a is a good time for them to get there. That way they're not sitting around too long. Like I like I like the kids to go and you know do some stretching or some dry land, get get the blood flowing right away and come in the locker room and get dressed. And then with about two minutes before we go on the ice up, maybe have a quick, you know, chalk talk on the board or just a quick speech. Um, not a huge inspirational speech guy or uh, yeah. speech guy, and I, and I know that, and that's one of my weaknesses. So that's why I, you know, I always like to have an assistant coach that can give a, a good pump up speech if we need that. You know, yeah. sometimes you're a gazelle and sometimes you're a lion. So yeah, you know, you need that coach that can give that. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, and then like if you have two games in a day, that second game, you don't need to be there as early again. These kids mm-hmm. are young and. There's most of them aren't don't need to do that stretch or that, you know, um, warm up again. Some kids, if they if they absolutely that's their routine and that's how they get ready for a game, absolutely go for it. But that second game, if you have in the day, you can maybe get there a little later, especially because most of the time your turnaround isn't that big. So, Mm -hmm. you know, it's usually a game. Then maybe you have an hour and a half, two hours off. So you get something good in your system to eat and then come back to the rink. So. Um, and then you've been on a lot of uh, successful teams. Your wheel team this year was uh, the U16 wheel team was really successful. Um, and you've also been on the bench for some um, really good teams with your Coleman Cup and the Hockey Factory too. And um, what were some of the reasons why those teams were successful? I th- I think the reason why our U16 team was really well, this, really good this year, and it's unfortunate that we didn't have that opportunity to uh, play state and then have a chance to go to nationals with that. Um, that's really unfortunate for those kids, but I think that group of kids, they were, they were a very talented team, yep. number one and two, they were in a night or a uh, tight knit group. I mean, yep. I know they all had, they all had a team chat and they were constantly all chatting with each other. And, mm-hmm. and I think that helped. And I know we had a lot of guys from one team or two teams, you know, so like there's a lot of familiarity and a lot of these kids grew up playing together and spring teams yep. too. So I think, you know, they've had six or seven years of spring hockey and then high school. So, you know, they always played together and they always knew each other. And I think that helped us tremendously. And um, they were just a good group of kids, too. They were very respectful and um, their character was very well. And I think that also is a big factor, too. Yeah. And then. Um, um, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, you go ahead. And then for hockey factory teams, I think, too. We we always we've always had good talented players and um, yeah. when you get to like the younger kids like that I think it helps when you have a good good 
parent support system too. And like yeah. when, when all the parents get along as parents, yeah. I think that trickles down to the kids. The kids see that and they realize that. So then and in return, they all get along with each other and they become closer and they all become friends. And what's really cool, like in those first couple of years of spring hockey is the friendship those kids make. Mm-hmm. You, and you, you can attest to that too. Like now that they're all going to be band of minors now, you know, that's, it's awesome when you, they come to tryouts and like, Oh man, it's good to see, you, you know, I remember playing against you, you know, this winter, or I haven't yeah. seen you in, you know, a couple months and then you go in the lobby and the parents are the same way. So I think that helps make successful teams just when you have that tight knit group, you know, on and off the ice and then trickles down to the parents as well. Yeah. That, that's a, that's a awesome point you're bringing up here because it's a lot of things sometimes that, um, teams at younger levels do and it helps with the camaraderie of the of the of the kids that are on the team but it also can translate to as the kids get older and things like that a good camaraderie amongst the parents helps bridge that gap to the kids right and to the coaches and we've been on some successful teams that have had parents that just get along fantastic and when that happens you can see like you said you can see that it goes down to the kids and the kids start buying a little bit more right and uh, everybody's getting along more. It's one of the, and I, the, that's sometimes what makes seasons awesome, right? And you know, yeah, don't yeah. you, don't you like hate hearing sometimes when you're like, oh man, that season flew by, and you're like, yes, it did totally fly by. It's like you wish you could like slow it down a little bit, right? And, yeah. and a lot of that falls back on the parents doing a fantastic job, letting their kids just play the game, right? Trusting that the coaches are going to do what's right, and like believing in them, right? And I think that's what helps. Like a lot of teams out right there is and the parents start buying in and they start believing in the other parents and believing in everything else that we're doing you become one unit that makes things really successful so um <clears throat> that's a really good point there um the other thing too i want to talk about <clears throat> with you is um is being a coach and you you have never coached your daughter um you hopefully plan to and that's something that uh as a non-parent coach one of the things that a lot of a lot of parents don't see is the time and commitment that you put in. Um, can you give me some of the some of the you know the drawbacks and then some of the positives that come with being a non-parent coach? Yeah, I'll start with the positives first. Yeah. Um, the I really do like the non-parent coach, and yeah. I honestly struggle with that going forward, even with my own daughter. Like, I would I I want to coach her. I mean, but at the same time, I love the fact that. You know, I'm a non-parent coach, and I see that there's no bias for me with a player. Yep. So, you know, if, if one kid is doing really well that game, I can be like, all right, you know, Johnny's going to get more ice time this yep. game because he's earned it. Or, you know, the next game, Johnny might not get as much ice time because he's just not having it that game. And as where if Johnny was my kid, if he got played more, people would be like, well, he's just getting played more because he's my kid. Yep. And I – I struggled that when I was actually young because my dad coached me mm-hmm. either as a head coach or as assistant coach pretty much my whole career except my peewee second year no my first year peewees I told him I didn't want him to coach me anymore because I, I struggled with it as a player because I always got you know pushed to the side because mm-hmm. he didn't want that judgment from the outside of being well that's that's his kid yeah. and I know Billy talked touched on it too and I really related to that from the other side as you know being that kid and yeah I remember like I I never started a period growing up <laughs> like you know like when you, it sounds dumb but when you're young you know like you want to start a game or start the period and I never got to yep and 
the only time it was nice is when I, because uh, from mites through my first year of peewees, I played goalie. Mm-hmm. So my, like, I had to be like, I was, you know, <laughs> I was the only goalie, yeah. so I got to play, but I, my dad just screamed at me every time I let a goal in from the bench. So yeah. like, I didn't like that factor. So, but no, but I think it's great, you know, non-parent coaches, if we can get more of them involved, I think it's awesome for organizations and clubs because those coaches, they don't have that bias. Like I said, and they can just coach and they can see the game and clear because they don't have that distraction of in the back of their head. Well, are, are the parents going to, you know, be mad if, you know, my son plays a little more. So I think that's great. You know, and I, I want to touch on that for a little bit here because you brought up something, uh, you brought up something really fantastic that I want some parents to, um, to know about. And that's, and that's, that's the role of a head coach with their kids, right? We're talking about you not having kids, but you know, I will tell you for every one, you know, every one out of 10 coaches, yeah, they might take advantage of that, right? They might yeah. take advantage of playing their kid too much or giving their kid preferential treatment. But I'm telling you, nine out of 10 don't. And nine out of 10 coaches are way harder on their kids than they are anybody else on, like, on that team. And that's something that as a, as a coach, we struggle with. Like it, it, it like hurts. Like, and I brought this up during, you know, like Billy's interview. Like if there's a, you know, for the nine out of 10 coaches that are out there, when there's a there's a someone supposed to get skipped in the shift or something else like that, we generally it's our kid, and yeah. our kid's gonna be the one that's gonna see the end of like our kid's never gonna start a game, our kid is never gonna get the first PP, like our kid is never everyone else is going out there every shift, and there's one kid who's going out there every third. It's our kid, right? Yeah, and everything you know, it's, we're making our kids stay afterwards and pick up pucks. We're making our kid you know do all these other things, and um, you know, and that's where I always say to like parents like our kids sometimes we're taking the enjoyment out for our kids and you brought up starting a period like yeah like that's every kid wants to start a period every kid wants to start a game right and there's <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. they don't want that they don't want the judgment from the parents and then you know it's 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 really unfortunate but sometimes the coaches kids are the ones that get to get to experience that the least amount so yeah. um something i, I kind of hope some parents are starting to understand it and for the parents those coaches out there that are that like kudos to you like good job because um, coaching a kid's not fun. So, um, but can you give me elaborate then on some of the some of the downsides? Because there are there are quite a bit of downsides to coaching a team without your kids on it. Yeah, absolutely, and and that is the family time that you're taking away from yep. your your family. For me, first it was just my wife, and I'm grateful that she understands that I you know I love to coach hockey, and yep. hockey's such a big part of my life. So she she lets me do that. And then now with my daughter, my daughter's almost two now. So, you know, spring hockey, it's not so bad. It's, it's you know, one or two hours a week and then yeah. one or two weekends. But when you add it up, I mean, that's still a lot of time, especially on a weekend. You know, you're gone three days. You know, that's three days that your your significant other is taking care of your daughter by yeah. herself. And, you know, two-year, two-year-olds are uh, pretty uh, easy to watch by themselves. So... Yeah, I mean, I'm thank very thankful that she's very understanding. And then too, yeah. I mean, that's the main one I guess I would have. And just sometimes it's, it's just, it's just tough too. Like with work and when you when you are the head coach and you gotta get everything planned and you know work and your family like it's it's it's, it's a lot, but I love it. So I mean, I won't change it for the world. But yeah, the family is definitely the big part. 
we and that's one of the things we like you know we say when we we accept a coaching job and we don't have a kid on the team it's not just you know you accepting the job your wife's accepting the job too right because there's a lot of burden that falls back on her that's that she's going to have to pick up for the family right and uh it's something that it's i think it's really awesome about you know a lot of the uh significant others out there that are allowing their their you know husbands or boyfriends or whatever it may be to go out there and coach is that they're t- they're picking up a lot of that burden around the house why we're out there kind of enjoying ourselves <laughs> so, yeah and- so i always tell parents and things like that if you if you like for us as coaches like our fun is on the bench on on the ice right so yeah. if you're gonna like buy an entity or gift just get it for my wife like i, I don't need it right like oh, she's the one doing all the hard work out there like I, I i'm the one out here you know having fun coaching the kids and, and on the ice still, you know, things like that, playing the pot game. So <laughs> yeah. Or, or getting to go to, you know, mall of America. <laughs> yes. Like yeah. I will tell you, like, it's, it's super fun going on our road trips, like, you know, sitting in the car, just being able to talk with uh, the boys in the car and like, like, you know, you and I and Rex and all these other people, like just being able to talk hockey for five hours, you know, the radio doesn't hit one time. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, absolutely. Yeah. And we can talk and, and the amount of things that we go over in our heads, it's 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 awesome because it helps us as coaches, right? I I always say it to other coaches, like just come in the car with us, like you'll we talk hockey for six hours, like and it's fun, like so. Um, then, uh, one more thing, uh, just to yeah. touch on that too is like you talk, you know, like when organizations ask you to coach. I, I learned young or in the beginning of my career, I I learned that I needed to talk to my wife about that decision first, because yeah. I'd be like, yeah, absolutely, um, yeah, it's not a big deal. And I'm like, hey, um, just a heads up, I'm going to be coaching this team. She's like, oh, were we going to talk about that or are we just going to do that? And I was like, well, we're talking about it now, but I gave him a yes. So, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I learned that I had to uh, communicate better with my wife on that and make sure it was, it was a family decision. <laughs> yes, I know exactly where you're coming from. I made that mistake many a times. Um but you also have a really interesting way, uh, and I've watched you coach a lot, and I love the way you help players learn on the ice, right? Because um, you critiqued me a lot in the very beginning of like, hey, that's you, you might have to do this differently, right? I, I was one person that was just like, hey, I, I like getting out there. Sometimes I, I in the early career, I talked too much at the whiteboard, and you were like, hey, this is it stop talking like you know like you're wasting too much time and i was like well i just gotta make sure i understand the drill he's like you, they were lost after 30 seconds man yeah and, and then as i started getting older i started getting on the far end of that spectrum i would just i wouldn't even draw up things anymore I'd be like all right let's just go and demo and, and let the kids i would you know uh i would i would under teach them right i would say go out there and make mistakes and you were always one of those big proponents of like and i loved watching it because as i was being the head coach's going and doing my thing, I would, I'd watch you help other kids learn. You pull them aside and, and things like that. And what are some of the ways that you help kids learn as, as, as being an assistant coach and then also being a head coach? Yeah, it's a great question. And I mean, you're dealing with, you know, 15 to, you know, 13 kids on a team and they all learn mm-hmm. different ways. And you have that kid like that, you can just explain the drill to him and he gets it. Then you have that kid yeah. that needs to see it on the whiteboard and then it gets and then you're that kid that like hey can you demo it for me yep and then he's like oh got it perfect so in a perfect world i try to um take that minute before we go on practice if i have the time and we'll draw it up on the whiteboard so th- th- those visual learners can see it and then i just try to demo it quick yep so that way they have at least two 
and you know three with the talking through it so mm -hmm. each kid that you know uses that different way to learn it has a chance to see it so that and like i said i try not to talk long because you have that yeah. minute to 30 seconds so that's the way i like for kids to learn it and then also if kids aren't getting it and we've done this in the past where like you'll have a coach go behind that kid and just direct him where he needs to go yeah. you know and you're holding on to his jersey and you're telling him where to go and i think that helps too mm -hmm. And they all learn different. They all learn at different, you know, speeds and rates. So you just have to adapt. I think that's the big thing as coaching is you have to adapt to your team. Yep. Yeah, and that's one of the things, like, I'm hoping some coaches will start to get as well from some of these talks is that, um, like, you have to have a fantastic relationship with your assistant coaches. You have to have the ability for them to step in and, and, and make changes and things like that. It's one of the reasons why I thought – you and I've always worked well together is because is that I get fixated on something. I don't see the big picture. I see, you know, what's in front of me and I try to go off of that. And it's one of the things that you've done a fantastic job is as, as I get out there and I demo the drill, you can recognize that kid who maybe is, you know, maybe second, third in line and he's got the deer in headlights because he has no idea what's going on. Right. And I love it that as a, as an assistant coach, you were able to, you picked up on it. Right. And you want, you go straight over that kid and, you might pull them out of the line yeah. and, put it, and and kind of demonstrate it again. You might even go grab the whiteboard, draw it up again. And then, like you said before, you also I've – I've watched you get behind a kid and skate with him, right? Talk to him as he's making the plays. He finishes the drill. It might not be the pace at which, you know, we had wanted, but it was something that he was starting to understand. And then by drill two and three, he's got it. He's going at the proper pace. And that's something I always encourage coaches to do is as you get – is you demo the drill and you're doing things, encourage your assistant coaches to start trying to identify who the kids are that learn differently, right? They learn they learn a different style. They might need to draw it up again. They might need to be, you know, just to hear it in their head again, or they might need someone who's actually going to go with them to demo it. And that helps at the younger ages a lot. <laughs> like it's one of those things that like at the older levels, the kids kind of, it's a little bit easier to do. But at the younger level, we're talking, you know, you know, U8s and squirts, those coaches out there, assistant coach, be so beneficial in explaining the drills to kids. That way, you know, we're identifying those kids quick. And coaches, you know your team. You know what players might need it. So get that coach early on. Talk to your coaches in the locker room. Say, hey, you know, Johnny, Phil, and, and, and Derek, they need help with this. So after I get done demoing, can you pull those three aside real quick and redraw it for them? And so. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's been times where you've had to, like, uh, break the drill down for me because <laughs> yeah you're like hey we're gonna do this this and that and i'm like okay uh, yeah i got i got, yeah i got the two of the three but i'm gonna need the third thing shown to me too as well and then you're like okay yep. all right so i appreciate you working with me at times too <laughs> i struggle with that i I'm, I'm one of those i'm a coach who under teaches it i get out there and i say i don't like wasting time anymore i draw the drill i i, some, I don't even draw the drill up 90 percent of the time anymore I say what it is. I say, you know, I see where all the players go, and then I just say go. And then I don't like putting cones on the ice. I don't like restricting the kids. I like them to figure it out. You spend three minutes drawing up a drill. That's, yeah. you know, two to five reps that a kid could get in in that meantime and figure it out himself. And that's what I always say to kids, too, is that, like, for me, I learn by figuring it out myself. And I learn the best by figuring it out myself. And for me, I think everyone learns that way, but I'm not right. Yeah. You know, like I'm wrong a lot of that. Some kids need to, need it drawn up stuff like that. So yeah, when uh, when when your coaches, your assistant coaches are lost, <laughs> uh, I'm pretty sure they're gonna be lost. <laughs> and you're like, like yeah, all right, hold on, guys, come here quick. <laughs> yeah, no, I get it. Um, 
And in your time, you, you, you've obviously had some great teams and you've had some teams that, that they haven't struggled, but, you know, they, they always need work, right? And um, sometimes poor sportsmanship enters the game. Um, what is one of the ways as a coach you've handled a player with poor sportsmanship on your team? Um, this is a hard one, Ryan. I, yeah. Trying to think here. I, I don't know if we, I've ever had a kid that's had a really bad attitude. Like, I've been blessed to have a lot of kids that are great. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I'm not, I don't want to put up with kids that have bad attitudes or poor yeah. sportsmanship after a game. You know, we've touched on it. You've touched on it in this before is, you know, like taking your hand or your glove off when you shake hands. I think that's yeah. huge. Um, and just treating your opponent with respect afterwards or even during the game. Mm-hmm. And on the bench, you know, don't be boxing your other your teammates around. Like we've seen that at tryouts where you'll you'll be on the bench and one kid will be telling kids who he thinks he should go with. And uh, yeah. I'm like, um, no, that, that's not how we're going to do it. And why do you think like you have the right to tell that kid? that so i mean that's the biggest thing i think for me is like just respect that your peers i mean i know they're you know 10 11 12 but like mm-hmm. just teaching them respect right away is i think going to go a long way because we're not just teaching hockey here we're teaching life lessons as well and mm-hmm. i think it's just huge for kids to uh respect everyone and respect the game yeah and that's one of the things um that's one of the things that i like i said i struggle with is is at a trial because you don't see it you're an evaluator up in the stands right and you brought up yeah. trials in the way sometimes kids act there and uh you've you've also been you've been on the ice and for tryouts and you've seen that side of it right and kids out there like coaches see that like you can't you can't be doing that stuff out there right and and that's one of the things you do you step in and you gotta say like kids we can't be doing that here and um you know it, it it's difficult, right, as a coach to and, – and that's why, like you said there, you kind of set the tone early, right? This is how we play the game. This is what we do. And it helps it helps stop any of that from actually forming, right? As long as you set the tone early with your team on respecting the game, respecting the team, respecting the officials and things like that. So, Absolutely. Um, and then um, one of the things I want to talk about as a non-parent coach, I was, I was kind of looking at it and going, you know, do you have a piece of advice that you'd like to give to youth parents? Um, yeah, it, like I've listened to, to Steven and, you know, mm-hmm. his, his this week and like, I just, I think it just enjoy your time that you have with your kids and, um, mm-hmm. just enjoy the game and don't, don't compare them to other players on the team and just focus on them having fun and being a kid. And then, you know what I mean? Take it easy on the coach. You know, he's doing yeah. it fast. Yeah. I just had this uh, question texted in, so I wanted to give it to you right away here. Um, oh boy, you talked earlier in the, in the interview about uh, you know the like in between tournaments and things like that and games and stuff like that. What is something you do in between tournament games that helps kids prepare better? Like for example, like um, I, I know you don't let kids go swimming in between games, right? What what do you usually tell kids in between you know games at a tournament? Yeah, after after the game. You know, it's usually, hey, guys, go get something good in your stomach, mm-hmm. have some water, have a chocolate milk, you know, replenish your body. Like, And it's one thing I I don't like seeing is, you know, we'll go to a restaurant and there'll be some other kids there and you'll see them just chugging sodas and you're like, guys, like, like we just talked 20 minutes ago about having waters. And, and yeah. I, understand, I, I, I understand they're, you know, they're 10, 12, 13, they're young, but 
you know, like if you don't take care of your body, you know, like it's going to reflect in your game. So, yep. Yeah. You know, if you have a long break, you know, just rest, you know, I don't want to see you at the hotel running around playing, you know, mini hockey sticks, you know, you can do that after we win and we're in the championship game, you know, and we got some more rest. So, you know, just relax guys. I know it's, you're gone for the weekend, but we're not going to be going to the pool. I'm sorry. Yeah. We're, we're here to play hockey. Yeah, and that's something too. Is like we know that kids make a lot of the memories around the hotels and the restaurants, eating out and things like that too. But one of the things I always like to tell kids, and it helps if you do it early on, and it's because sometimes these kids will be with you for five, six, seven, eight, nine years, is you set the tone early. There's always a time and a place for it, right? Yeah. And giving the kids the understanding what the time and the place is to let their hair down and go have some fun. Okay, and that's where the part, you know, especially the younger ages, that's one of the hard things to do is. Is telling to tell you know trying to tell a nine year old hey you can't go swimming when they have this mammoth water slide there. It's <laughs> one of the hardest things to do, but it's it's one of those things where maybe you do like you start early like you say like hey like you can go swimming but we're only gonna go for thirty minutes right we don't need yeah. to go for two hours and then as as you get older those kids will start to understand that and I will also tell you that as a coach as a person who like has has seen the game at the U eighteen level and things like that. You'd be shocked about how many kids like they they know the routine, they know what they're, how they're supposed to get their bodies ready for the next game, and then you have some kids that have no idea, right? Like they they don't know what it is, and they're, they're swimming at, you know, they're they're swimming in between games, and they gotta you know they don't realize they got three scouts in the stands coming to watch them, but here they are doing chicken fights in the pool, like you're like what are you guys thinking? Then at the same time, you know. You, one of my big pet peeves is, is watching kids, like you just said, at a restaurant or something like that. They they, they wheel in with a two-pound, you know, burrito. <laughs> and you're like, what are you doing? Like, how are you supposed to play that way? And then that's the one thing. It's like, you can do it, okay? Like, fine, if you sneak it, at, you know, buy me and I say, like, eat healthy, then you bring in a two-pound burrito. Don't do it in front of my face, right? Like, the, there's no bigger pet peeve that I have sometimes than, than watching a player who we've just said, hey, we're doing this to help you. We're doing this, you know, like, this is how you're going to be able to get, you know, your performance for the next game better. Yeah. And it's like, try to eat healthy. Do, we're, we're giving the best advice we can give. And also, this yeah. kid, like, rolls in with a, you know, Chick-fil-A value meal. Like, what are you doing, man? Like, it's 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 absolutely crazy sometimes. But, hey, you know what? Like we said before, some of these kids are out there making memories, right? They're, yeah. This is yeah. Yeah, I remember when they're 35, which – you know, it all depends on what your what your goals and aspirations are and stuff like that, too. So, yeah. And I, I mean, I don't want to sound, you know, like a hard I mean, like yeah. I I totally understand they're here to make memories and have fun. And, yeah, well, we've had kids, you know, when we've stayed at the big water park, you know, we gave them an hour of, of you know, pool time. And, you know, like we're, yeah. not, we're not animals. I mean, we're, yeah. we understand. So it's just understanding when that's the biggest thing, right? Yeah. We'll, just, reward, we'll reward you for your. Yeah, there's always a time and a place for it. There's always a time and a place to go have fun and enjoy the sport and and things that come along with the sport. But then there's also times where you got as a, as a player and a parent, you got to buckle down, right? And you got to be like, okay, now it's game time. Like we're we're going yeah. today. And that's why I always say to parents too, you bring up in between games and things like that. One of my big things is I like to eat as a team in between games, like because I also like to know that you know if a kid might normally have a soda or something you know that's unhealthy between a game that they, they're more than likely not going to do it when you're sitting there, right? Absolutely. 
So that's one of the reasons why I like going out there is like just to make sure, like, hey, like, you know, maybe that kid will refrain from the soda and get the water, right? So, um, so you you gave the coat, you gave the advice for a youth parent, um, and it was enjoy the game and things like that. And it's one of the things I've always talked about too with parents is like the game ends quick, like, you know, you're you're gonna you're gonna miss it. There's gonna be times where it, it goes quick and you're gonna miss it. And you're gonna wish that your kids. You know, you had what one more road trip or that one more game or one more tournament, but that's a good piece of advice. Now, I want you to give a piece of advice to yourself when you were 12 or 13. It can be one piece of advice that you gave you give to yourself, and like, you know, it's like it has to be hockey related. So. Well, the first thing I'd say, well, you made a right choice when you stopped playing goalie your second year, Pee-wee's. <laughs> Yeah, if you didn't know people, I played goalie from Mike till my first year of Pee Wee's, and then I switched to forward, so I came over to the good side, as some would say. Mm-hmm. So I think I did well there. Um, but no, on a serious note, I, I think you just have to, if you want to continue to go, like, you just have to realize how hard you have to work at it and like how big of like skating really is involved mm-hmm. in the game today. Like Edge work is so important, just being a good skater and you know, when I was coaching Squirt A is like kids, you know, you, you do, you try to, you know, skating, power skating for, you know, 15, 20 minutes in a practice and every kid's head just starts hanging and, you know, they get bummed out and you're like, well, guys, this, this is never going to end if you want to keep playing the game. I mean, the pros do it too. So like, I would tell myself just, you know, to work on my skating and just, you know, if, just to improve on everything that you wanted to do, like, you know, if you thought you were doing enough, maybe do another 10 to 20 percent of that. Like just because it takes so much to get to the next level. Yeah. And it's something we're going to talk about um, on Sunday when our, our Sunday morning with the boys comes out is is a little bit of like how one of my cut stories was, you know, and how um, you, you brought up, you know, working hard and things like that. And you wish you would tell yourself to do more of it, even though you didn't like doing it. And I think that's one of the things about like one of the stories that I talk about getting cut is um, you get motivated to do things right, and you want to you want to work hard. But that's the thing is like I don't think kids really realize they set these these goals for themselves to make this team or something. And like Tyler Lewis said a few episodes back, like, do your habits match your goals, right? If you have yeah. a if you have a lofty goal out there to make the A team or make that Triple A team or or be, you know, first line bars, things like that, then the work you put in has to match what you want to do. And I think that's that's tough for kids sometimes to, to have to, like, I mean, I have to do all this skating now? Like, ugh. It's not, but it's also recognizing what you need help in, right? And yeah. it's something that, for me, which I always thought was funny, and it took until probably, you know, 20 years later that I, I figured it out, which we'll get into my cut story, which yeah. is basically, like, I first got cut and I worked hard. But I worked hard on all the things I was already good at. Right? Like, I'm not gonna lie. Like, no one ever said your shot was bad. No one ever said like my stick handling was bad. You know, like, like every, everybody told me that I was struggling with. I didn't work on. But yeah, I was right. let's say that. Let's say that for the, for Sunday, okay? Yeah, I'll say it for Sunday. Yeah. But What? You don't want to tease them too much. Just oh yeah, yeah, we're done. Okay, so <laughs> yeah, but that's a good point. You know, like work hard at those things and and. And that's the thing is understand that it takes a lot of work. So, yeah. um, but I'd just like to say thanks for coming on today. As I really do appreciate it. No problem um, having me. Pardon? 
thanks for having me. Yeah, really enjoyed awesome. it. And uh, I'm really excited for uh, you know these things to continue. You were one of the original people that helped me come up with the views from the bench concept, and we came up with this five years ago, four years ago. Yeah, I'm one of those wild. those trips. <laughs> yeah, it's been. We've had this Facebook page for like, what three, four years now. So it's it's been fun, and and you know we're hoping to keep this thing going for a little bit after there with your help. And I know you you got some stuff in the works that we'll we'll talk about a little bit later on some of some of the other avenues, but. Um, you know, like, I just want to say thanks for everything you've done for, you know, the hockey factory, for Wheel and Coleman Cup and everything that you've done and all the time you've put in. It's, it's really made a lot of impact on kids. So I just want to say thank you for that. And do you have any last bit of advice or things you'd like to talk about? Um, no, I mean, just hope everyone's staying safe and kids are yeah. working and can't wait to get back on the ice with, the, with, you know, with the players and have some fun again and get skating out there and love the game yep so we are gonna like i said we are uh back every monday wednesday and friday on facebook live at noon on monday we have guest goalie jim's Stanaway from goalies inc he's one of the new waha goalie directors in there um should be a great interview about goalies we got a lot of we got a lot of questions lined up for him that are that are goalie specific that will help us coaches understand the position better and what our goalies actually are going to need for practices i think that's a big thing is is understanding where what, what what we need as coaches like so we can help our goalies and, and make practice something that's worthwhile for them so he is on monday um and then like i said um our sunday morning with the boys will be on at 9 a.m on sunday so uh, grant thanks for coming on and have a good day all right thanks ryan yep i got about uh i think we're off yeah, we're off. I got about thousand text messages in this. Good, bad. What? Like, no, it's Good, just about a different thing. Oh. I mean, so. Is um, it okay? No, it was great. Oh, I it was great. You never really know how they are until yeah. about. Uh, um. Like we don't. I mean, I don't ever know if it's a good interview till about. Oh, is it something went wrong? Hope we're not still live. Says we are. Well, that's neat. <laughs> Says something went wrong on it. Hmm. Well, I'm gonna log us off in case we are. <laughs> Tom McDonald yeah. still yeah, live. Still Facebook, yeah. <laughs> well, well, you guys go. <laughs>